Welcome to the Media Money Show. I'm Dan Barnes, Editorial Director of Markets Media Europe, and joining me today is Terry Stanigan, the Editor of Markets Media. Terry, welcome back to the show. Dan, thanks for having me. Great to see you. So tell us what's been going on this week with Robinhood. Right. Well, the big news today, Robinhood has sold shares in an IPO, and this has been expected and anticipated for, for quite some time. This is the very popular stock trading app that is super popular among younger investors, younger first-time investors. The app has equity, cryptocurrency, and options trading. They sold, oh, they raised almost $2 billion and sold shares, and they're now trading on the, the NASDAQ today. So, you know, a lot of interesting things there. For, for our, one of the things for our purposes, we follow institutional markets mostly. But there's a lot of certainly connection, retail and institutional markets. So, for example, retail stock trading, the share of stock market activity in the U.S. doubled in 2020 to about 20% from 10%. And it said that, according to industry data, the number is closer to 25% in volatile markets. And institutional traders, buy side, they, they really value this order flow because for these managers, the seeking trade counterparties, the best market ecosystem is a diverse one with yeah. different types of market participants buying and selling different stocks at different times and in different ways. So that's really brought trading to the masses, so to speak. It's been very helpful. Yeah. So it's interesting to see uh, you know, how it plays out. Well, that's absolutely right. But I've got a question. Do the buy side traders, the institutional investors, they actually get to see this order flow because doesn't it all go through a broker? Yeah, there's certainly a lot of controversy around that and where and where it goes. There's not a is more transparency needed, or at least that's what the regulators are saying. The payment for order flow is a very contentious issue. It came out last year. It was made clear that Robinhood was essentially selling their order flow higher up the pyramid, the, the food pyramid, so to speak, to uh, larger electronic market makers. And so there's a lot of questions about that as to what conflict of interest that represents. Do retail investors, the retail traders get best execution? You know, a lot of times the people involved, Robinhood and the, the brokers say retail investors have never had it better in terms of tight spreads and yeah. quick and efficient execution. You know, that may be true, but regulators say, are there still conflicts of interest that are uh, precluding retail investors from having it even better than, than they have it right now? So uh, you know, yeah. Robinhood is a, is a controversial name. A lot of people love it, but I think there are some you know, folks that think some of its practices need to be looked at a little more closely. Sure. Well, I mean, it's certainly interesting. And of course, the great thing about if you're a broker and you are able to capture that order flow, then you're getting access to natural order flow. You're also understanding where people are moving in the market. So that's very good. If you're a buy side trader, if you're working for a big institutional asset manager, and you're not actually seeing that natural order flow, there are questions around whether you are seeing the real price formation in the market as the trades that you see will actually be executed by the receiving broker, not by the retail traders themselves. So yeah, I think that's that's certainly interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And there, there's also the question, you know, because stock markets have been so strong for uh, you know almost since last spring, really, drawn in a lot of younger first-time retail traders. You know, will it continue? Uh, it, that's questionable because in, yeah. in previous times when there has been kind of market significant market declines, retail went away for for a long period of time. So, you know, Robinhood is is riding high now, but if if the market takes a big downturn and takes away a lot of retail investors with it, you know, uh, both very big ifs, you know, Robinhood might be in a different position. No, absolutely. Well, in, in the meantime, I've been writing about the U.S. Treasuries market, which has sort of had the opposite problem. So, in the U.S. Treasuries market. Electronic market makers have been contributing more liquidity proportionally 
and historically they ever have. And over the last six years, that has been something of a source of controversy. Certainly, there have been two big market events, liquidity events in the market, which have led people to question exactly what's making up the proportion of liquidity at the moment. And the group of 30, which are 30 very well-known academics, financiers, economists, including some figures like Janet Yellen, I believe, is in there, they have given a proposal for what needs to happen to change the US Treasury's market in order to try and mitigate any lack of liquidity in the future. It, it, it's interesting. I'm reading your article right now, and I, it, I read your article and I, your editorial, and I'd say it's an outstanding piece. Uh, I encourage everyone listening to read it if you haven't already. But why is it? Why is this uh, inertia, so to speak, that you know, changes seem to be needed, but, but nothing is, is happening? Well, it's a really good question. So in 2014, we had the flash crash in October 2014, which led to a lot of people wondering what was going on in the US Treasury's market and why suddenly yields and, tre- and prices could move very quickly without any fundamental change in the market and then revert back. What happened there? The answer is that we don't know. And there was a five regulator report into the matter, which was relatively inconclusive and wasn't actually tasked with apportioning any blame, specifically wasn't, which meant that we have no idea of who may have been a cause for that. Then in 2020, we saw a rollback of liquidity during the sell-off in March. And again, there were questions about the market structure and whether there were problems in the US Treasury market. And clearly there are. Liquidity is not being provided as it should. So your question is, why hasn't this been addressed? Well, there are two things. If you look back at the US derivatives problems that were occurring in 2008, which led to the global financial crisis, those those were known about in 2005. But the two people charged with with changing the market were regulators. The Fed, with the Fed letters, was negotiating with market makers. Market makers want volatility and growth, and regulators only change things if there's a crisis. So they all knew what should happen. But they just put it off, lobbying, delayed the process. And it was put off and put off and put off. By 2008, everything went wrong. And those ideas that they had were eventually put into place in 2009, 2010 under the Dodd-Frank Act. So it took a crisis for that to actually be enacted. Now we've seen 10 recommendations from the Group 30. And what's going to actually make them happen? Well, to be honest, the regulators are probably just going to sit on them. They always have before. The only thing, only time we ever see any change in the market is when there's actually a crisis that creates political pressure on the regulators and then they step in. For example, the Fed intervention last year when there was a liquidity problem in the markets. Now, of course, Fed intervention, central banks stepping behind the market and just saying, we'll buy stuff. We'll buy stuff. Don't worry about liquidity. That is a <laughs> it's an interesting position, very controversial position, really, because the Fed isn't there to provide liquidity into markets. It's not a marketplace. So my opinion, as I say in the editorial, is that all these recommendations, they're all very good ideas, but nothing's going to happen because people never make any changes until it's too late. So I'm seeing the 10 recommendations. Is there is it a viable realistic path forward to maybe take a few of the lowest hanging fruit, so to speak, in terms of implementing the easiest to implement and then take it from there rather than try to go all 10? Oh, absolutely. Like, and some of them should be really easy. Like at the moment, trades in the US Treasuries market are not reported onto Trace, which is the post-trade pricing tape for co- corporate bond markets and muni bond markets. So 
at the moment, there's no transparency. The most liquid bond market in the world, and it's the most important bond market in the world, arguably, and it's not reported publicly. It only started being reported to regulators over the last year because of the problems in March 2020. So that is now recommended that the, that it becomes fully transparent and those trades are reported publicly. That's a shoo-in. I mean, why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense not to. So that should happen and that should be easy. Central clearing of US Treasuries, I mean, that's slightly more controversial, but it would mean that banks are not exposed to the direct risk of trading with counterparties. And if that happens, then that means they have to put less capital at risk when they're trading, costs them less basically to trade, and that means they can engage more in the market. So there's a few, I suppose, kind of easy wins there. And I really wish, to, <laughs> I'd like to say that they, they're going to happen. I'm afraid just history stands against the idea of regulatory change happening without a real crisis. And so right. I'm expecting there to be a proper dislocation in the markets, which will then impact corporate bond markets, which, of course, are priced according to the US Treasury market and other bond markets as well. So I think something bad is going to happen before this actually all gets put in place. Right. I have to say, I really liked your kicker at the end. The right ideas are the nails of a solution waiting for a crisis to hammer them into place. That uh, I think really, really drives home your point. So excellent editorial, Dan. Thanks very much, Tony. Great to speak to you again. Thank you so much. And speak to you again next time. Thank you, sir. 